0: so i want to do a call out podcast where people tell me cool topics and then i call them to ask about the topics and you know some people replied with yeah i want to do it or yeah i could talk about dogs i don't know and you know i liked their enthusiasm that they wanted to be a part of it but I need you to reply with a specific expertise. And so you couldn't believe how thrilled I was when a real astronomer from the southwestern United States contacted me saying that he worked on a really big telescope for NASA and could talk about it. I feel like Kevin was saying so much interesting stuff, but I worry that the comedy podcast listener... It's just going to tune out if there aren't funny riffs all over the place. So, um, you know, I wish I wish that I didn't have to do it this way, but I am going to pre-record some funny riffs and then splice them in in the edit. Okay, recording funny riffs. Go. Okay. um, (laughs) ha ha. What? That's crazy. (laughs) You crazy for this one. Kevin. (laughs) Colloquiums are crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I had the same experience. Me too. Speaking of stars, uh, how about Hollywood, you know? Oh, Southern California. I bet you saw a lot of stars, (laughs) as in celebrities. (laughs) New Hampshire. (laughs) Kevin, watch out shut up you are bad um yeah obviously (laughs) yeah no shit yeah we knew (laughs) yeah obviously yeah so I think maybe um for every dog if he says anything really smart you could put in some of those things where I say like I know or obviously um and then the listener would um think that I'm really smart um Uh, Yeah, I think I think we'll use those riffs. And now let's get into Kevin's call. Hello. Hi, is this Kevin, the astronomer?
1: This is Kevin, the astronomer. Hi, Mary.
0: Hi, what's up?
1: Uh, Not much. I'm in my office here in the University of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona. I'm uh, doing astronomy right now. It's been very fun this morning.
0: Where are you from?
1: Uh, I'm from Orange County, California, like uh, 10, 15 minutes away from Disneyland. Uh, And I I grew up there and then went to college outside of L.A. and then grad school in L.A. And then I moved after I got my Ph.D., I moved to uh, New Hampshire for three years. And now I live in Arizona.
0: Whoa. Yeah. I was trying Uh, to place your accent and I thought you sounded like... um, um canadian sociologist malcolm gladwell
1: (laughs) you know maybe maybe i have a little bit of no i i think that Southern california in my head is the most neutral accent but i think everyone thinks their accent is super neutral not me Um, oh (laughs) where is your accent from
0: i'm from new jersey and i went to college in california and when I first oh. got there, everyone was like, "Wait, say that again!"
1: <laughs> people, Wait, guys, hear... gather
0: around, listen to yeah. her.
1: <laughs> when people here heard that I was from Orange County, they would always expect me to like slip into the Orange County accent that everyone yeah. thinks that we have. We're like, you know, just we surf and stuff, but I think it's just neutral. I don't know. When, you, when I do that New York Times uh, analysis of like, what what is your regional dialect? It, it always pins, 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 pins me right, right exactly in Southern California. So I guess <laughs> I am Southern California ease. But maybe maybe Malcolm Gladwell slips in there a little bit. I, I, I'm not super sure.
0: Oh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. I bet you saw a lot of stars, as in celebrities. So you got like a telescope in that room or what?
1: <laughs> so uh, in my room right now, I, it's mostly computers. Uh, most, most astronomers, uh, we, we alternate. Going to telescopes or using telescopes and then just sitting in front of one or multiple screens and analyzing the data and tapping on on keyboards really fast. But I I work on a telescope uh, with NASA called the James Webb Space Telescope, which is like everyone's heard of Hubble, the kind of famous space telescope that, Mm -hmm. you know, is this probably the most famous telescope uh its successor the next generation hubble the, the bigger hubble uh is called james webb and the main camera was built here at the university of arizona and i work on that so i'm essentially one of the people in charge of like when the telescope launches in a couple of years we're going to take a bunch of really far away galaxy images images of really far galaxies in wow. my job here at the university is I'm one of the people in charge of figuring out how you can go from a picture of a galaxy to how far away the galaxy is.
0: Whoa. Uh, yeah. What? That's crazy. So at
1: one point, this computer I'm holding in my hands right now, that doesn't help your listeners, but this computer will probably be the computer that, uh, figures out the farthest galaxy humans have ever discovered. Oh my uh, God. In, in a couple of years. Yes. Light that has traveled for, I don't know, 12, 13 years billion years to get to our telescope that will be in space, bounce off of the giant gold mirror of James Webb and then go onto the little camera that we've got uh, and then come back down to Earth and we'll analyze it and we'll analyze it in part here at the University of Arizona and here with our team.
0: Oh, come on. You know, the Earth is only 2050 years old. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I have done a little bit of research and if it, if it was then there's a lot of rocks on the planet that are lying to us <gasps> by being a lot a lot older than that
0: Wait, I have a question. Sure. Um so I was glancing at the moon the other night okay. and deep in thought and I was wondering um like way in the past uh-huh. when <laughs> when we did not know that the moon was going around us and we were going yep. around the sun, what did people used to think the different phases of the moon were like if they didn't think that the earth was covering it up or whatever?
1: So that's like, it depends on the culture. Uh, and like, there's, there's lots of different stories about like, dragons that would eat part of the moon the thing is is that like that one's probably you, like, right <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's pretty good or like you know different animals i have heard people tell me that 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 in, in in their cultures their history of their culture it was a giant rice cake that a rabbit just slowly ate little bits of and then i guess pooped the bits back out <laughs> in a perfect circle again
0: kevin the thing
1: is it is, is like from a really dark place you can actually see the other part of the moon that's not like lit up like right Right. by the the, and and so it's not a thing where unless you like were very very you know ignorant of what you were looking at you probably would think oh it's there there's just some sort of shadow going on on there and I I think that like it's really culture by culture and it probably was a thing where instead of them going this is actually what it is it would just a story would come up around it and that's kind of a fun thing about astronomy to me is that like Every culture had the same sky and stars and moon. And so every culture had their own stories about this. Like, it's a pretty cool thing that, like, links us all together as a as human beings. Shut if you up. go to indigenous people in and, and every cult- culture and in the world, you'll find they'll have interesting new stories. And most often they're just not taken literally. These They're just stories that, like, were passed down kind of like these oral traditions. Yeah, uh, And I bet the moon has them for most cultures as well. So I don't exactly know uh, more than what I've said.
0: That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me what it's like to be an astronomer? What is the personal life of an astronomer? Um
1: uh- so yeah. so when I was like in high school, like I had this like vision of like what an astronomer was that I think most people still have. Like you just like stay up all night looking through telescopes and and you know, just like you your your head's always in the clouds. And I, I think that it, it being an astronomer in actuality is a little bit of that in, in real life, like you do a lot of observing, especially if you are a person who like needs to get current observations. And so when I was in graduate school and and, uh, and and as a postdoc, you you go flying to telescopes because they put telescopes on very specific places like there's a telescopes down here in Arizona. There's ones like in Hawaii and, 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 and other islands away from big cities. So you go observing a lot. But and then that is a thing where you have to go to the telescope and invert your sleep schedule. So you stay up all night and, you know, but you never look through the eyepiece. No one looks through eyepieces anymore. You you don't like sit at the bottom of the telescope looking up like it's all just on a computer, like taking fancy pictures uh, with the telescope.
0: You are bad. Depending on the size of the
1: telescope, some smaller telescopes, you still have to actually run the whole thing yourself, which is fun. At the largest telescopes, they've got a telescope operator. So you take these observations and then. So that's like a, a, a tiny chunk of your time. And the most of it is spent, you know, analyzing those data and writing papers. So you do a lot of writing uh, and then submitting the papers and, and hoping they get accepted and stuff. And then the really the way that astronomers do a lot of their vacationing is that you often have to go uh, not have to. You, you apply to go to conferences. And so like next year, I'm, I'm applying in the next couple of days to go to a conference in Portugal, which what? will be my like Portuguese vacation vacation. Uh, like um, you know, my my friend was just in Napa where they had like a conference, and they they always put these conferences in really fancy places. Like I've gone to Croatia and sat out on the beach uh, in Croatia after like a day of dumb talks, and it's just like you give all these talks at at at, at conferences. Um yeah, um, the astronomy obviously, community is like incredibly <laughs> small. Like there is like one out of every million people or more is an astronomer. It's like only a, you know, some number of 10 to 100,000 people a total. Uh, and so you end up knowing like astronomy is like a pretty insular community. Like you end up knowing all astronomers um, because you, especially if you go to the same conferences, you keep knowing them. And so like.
0: Do people have, um, do astronomers have beef with each other?
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're there's, there there's astronomers
0: that like don't want to be in the same room as each other
1: yes um be- <laughs> because, because of the research dirt. yeah so so um here's this is not it's like it's the beef is kind of simmered a little now but like so at the center of our galaxy our galaxy the milky way at the very center there's a black hole and the black hole was discovered essentially simultaneously but i tend to side with one but two people uh one was in europe and one was in America. The, per- the woman in America, her name is Andre Gez. You should look her up. She's incredible. She oh. she discovered it by looking and seeing that there were little stars that were moving around something that had to be like millions of times more massive than the sun, but it wasn't giving off any light. And it was like, oh, this is a, this is got to be a black hole. You crazy for this one? In Europe, this astronomer named Reinhard Genzel, which is a very are... villainous sounding name. Yeah, he also <laughs> like did a lot of these observations as well. And so over the years, they both are like. Th- they're, they're, they're. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here to let you know about our latest episode of Office Hours Live. And Office Hours is you. great fun. With the great John Early and Theta Hamill. Very handsome. Thank they're you. Here, they're, thank you. They're here to talk about their new movie, Stress, positions. And we just had a, a wonderful time. There was a lot of laughter and joy. Don't believe me? Well, listen for yourself on the podcast app of your choice. You're not going to want to miss a second. That's at Office Hours Live at the podcast app of your choice. Bum,
0: bum, 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 bum. I love Vic and and I love drinking my wine.
1: They and their graduate students and their postdocs would like go to conferences about the black hole, the center of our galaxy, and then just give talks about like... Like, well, I think it's this. Well, I think it's this. And like, it got pretty beefy at certain conferences. I, I know all this because I was at UCLA while all of this was going on where they would like, be at conferences and like they'd give up and give a talk and then the next person would give up and insert another slide to be like, well, actually this is getting right at the thing that you just said in your talk and it's this and this and this. And there was like a couple times where like things would happen where the, and both different teams would make predictions about what would happen, like a gas cloud would go fall into the black hole. So half the one side would be like, it's a star. And the other is, it's just a gas cloud. And then they'd have to wait to see who was right. And because... Europeans and Americans have access to different telescopes. Like, there's a rivalry in, like, the telescopes that, that you can use and the, the instruments on the telescopes that you can use. And I, I was at a colloquium, which is one of the big talks, at UCLA when Reinhard Genzel was invited to give a colloquium. And Andrea put these this, like, can of Coke and this can of Pepsi on the stage at the beginning because someone once referred to them as the Coke and Pepsi of the Galactic Center, mm-hmm. and Reinhard Genzel did not find that funny. Uh. Uh, but that's the type of humor that astronomers love to have. <laughs>
0: Colloquiums are crazy. <laughs> yeah, so there are, there are definitely
1: these, uh, in, in, especially in the like really like uh, exciting uh, fields like exoplanet research, where you're looking at planets and stuff. And I am worried because the thing I'm working on, like with this telescope, like there's established scientists who have been doing this for many many years, and we get to get these data because we built this instrument. So when you build a telescope instrument, you get the data to begin with, like at the very beginning before it goes out to the public. And so I have to do all this research. And then a couple other astronomers are just going to do it. And like, totally just like, like shit all over the thing that I, I just did be like, Oh, this guy did a terrible job. We can do way no. better, you know, but it's, that's how it works. Right. There it's, it's because like astronomers are like anybody, right? Like it's, there's like the idea of glory, especially in the era of like social media, like it's so tempting. Like you can right. be a famous astronomer. So, yeah. Oh, is right.
0: It's too much. Yes. Um, do astronomers hook up? Um, yeah, actually. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, like... (laughs) Those colloquiums, oh, man. Well, it's, it's mostly just the, and big the symposiums. Conferences. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Every year there's a big
1: astronomy conference, the AAS, and I, you know, I bet that those those hotel rooms are pretty crazy. Damn. Uh, full moons and uh, solar eclipses, and stuff. Uh, but what what's funny is that astronomers, because like when you get to graduate school, your like social life becomes just astronomers. Like for many astronomers, that is when many astronomers meet their their uh, their partners. And so I think most like not most a big chunk of astronomers marry other astronomers yeah, i don't know how i would
0: do it I'm, we know. I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> my office mate who is also married to an astronomer and i don't know how you do it because you have what's called then the two body problem which uh is not as sexy as it sounds it mostly means that when you get a job you have to try and find a job that also your partner can have at the same oh, institution right. and it's it's a it's a kind of tough thing but yeah a lot of astronomers uh, they end up uh end up having to, like, figure that out when they get to a new institution and get a professorship or a postdoc or whatever. I decided to marry a musician, a oh, singer, cool. because that is uh, way less of a rivalry that I could potentially have over papers and, you know, like citations and when you give colloquia and stuff.
0: You're telling me. <laughs> I used to date uh, a guy that was really good at painting. And oh. I was like, Ugh. Fuck, it's so easy for him. You paint as well, right? Yes, I'm a painter. So in art school, we were dating. And, well, I'm a lot better at painting, like, realistic stuff, making Mm. stuff look like a photo. And he's really good Mm. at, like, more, like, cartoony, like, invented characters, which I'm really... Not great at. I feel like people ask me all the time to make stuff like that. I'm like, uh, skill doesn't really translate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd be like, oh, he's so good. And he'd be like, no, my stuff doesn't even look <laughs> like anything. Anyways
1: so yeah that rivalry is not fun like i i've been teaching myself piano and like you are to have my bad wife, down next to me and be like it's actually like this this is like i'm like playing like some dumb christmas song and she's like oh i think that it actually sounds a little better if you were to try it and i'm just like oh my gosh so like oh, i am goodness. glad that rivalry is not possible because like i it it can just get really you know you just get really up in your own head about these sorts of things
0: yeah damn <laughs> so what are you into do you like comedy stuff how did you find me
1: oh i i, I think i saw you on twitter because of uh you oh, gosh it was like a thing on were you profiled on split sider years ago i've just followed you for a couple of years and i don't remember exactly how uh but i also I like that. yeah i when i lived in la like you can't help but you know like go see ucb or or, or other shows that were out there um And I think that Twitter, the whole point for me is just to like serve up funny stuff for me. Like I don't I don't want to use it for like arguing about politics and bullshit like that. So it's which is bad because I try to make dumb jokes and people astronomers will follow me thinking I'm going to talk about astronomy. And then I just make enough dumb jokes about like. Smash Brothers or whatever and everyone's like I don't want to follow this guy oh, so no. I've had like a, a couple <laughs> astronomers who after every conference will like follow me and the, they didn't realize that they've already followed me like three times which indicates to me that they followed me and then unfollowed me and they're like oh I should follow this Kevin guy again and like it's not ever going to be astronomy folks I don't I. I it's really not my, not my bag to talk about you know because like a lot of astronomers use it like as like a way to be like like here's the cool new research look at this cool new outcome and I'm like that's not the way I want to talk about astronomy. I do that through my papers and through like my talks and stuff. I like if I want to make a dumb joke or if I have a dumb observation about something that's where twitter goes and it's really fun. I've now tried to curate my my the people I follow on twitter to to be prime laugh material. And so you've sure. been a part of that. So thank oh you so God. much for thank your you fun so jokes. Thank you so much. I'm looking at and your videos. twitter
0: right now. I see some references to anime super nintendo super smash well, not okay, too not too much star uh, stuff the matrix
1: no. <laughs> well that was because when i went to thanksgiving my 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 wife's mother could not stop talking about wanting to watch the matrix over thanksgiving and i thought that was really that's so uh, weird. very weird yes not like it's because mom. well it's because she recently uh thinks that she disconnected from the matrix uh she's very spiritual it's very funny mm-hmm. when we first met she immediately asked Uh, lara my wife for my star sign and my date of birth in place so she could draw my chart up she's very into astrology uh and she's been really important for me as a person who like can get really like curmudgeonly about astrology to like take it easy and cool down and like not give such a shit because like i just watch it. it doesn't really hurt anybody like it's been a fun thing and we're living like a really like pro astrology time in the last like five to ten years, and so it's been nice for me to not get all up in arms. Many astronomers will get really frustrated about someone being like, what's your sign? They're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. The stars don't impact your life. (laughs) And I've realized that that's like the biggest jackass thing I can possibly do, so I don't do it anymore. So thank you, Lara's mom.
0: I think, here's my take on uh, astrology. Um, Well, I think we just like live in the same culture as everyone in our country. And so if you're yeah. born at the same part of the year, that probably affects like your development and psychology and personality. Right. Yeah. Like probably yeah. that's more what's going on than like mm-hmm. a star thing.
1: Also, what I what I want people to use astrology for if they do is just as an empowering thing. like, and I think it's nice when someone's it's like, ah, today's today's the day where I'm gonna do this thing, go do it. I don't want to people sometimes will use it as like a thing where like, well, I could never do this because my sign says that I'm not good at this. And you're like, well, no, don't limit yourself, mm, Yeah. you know, because of that. But like, you know, use it, use any way that you can to like feel good about yourself and say, you know, if, if you think that because the sun was in a certain part of the sky when you were born and that's the reason why you're good at uh, Sudoku, friggin' be good at Sudoku because of that. Like, I don't, need to tell you what to do in that case but i just don't i hate when someone like it's like oh, i could never date that person because of this like we live in a crazy shit show of a world anyway if you you know don't limit the amount of people you could potentially date or connect with or be with just because they happen to be a leo and you're a aries i don't know the actual connections there but you know
0: kevin watch it's, out it's,
1: it's not it's something where I, I used to be a lot more curmudgeonly um and then it's the ultimate irony is that i'm a virgo and Virgos are um, the most analytic. They like describe me like when you read it, it's like exactly the thing that happens where you you like you go, oh, this is exactly me. And it is it's upsetting. I, I yeah. dated a cartoonist for a while uh, in in at uh, in Dartmouth. This cartoonist who like was way into astrology. I'm like just delighted in the fact that every time I would do something, she'd go, that's a real Virgo thing to do. <laughs> and she was right. She was right.
0: Wow, my friend Rosie is a Virgo. Huh.
1: Is she So whenever analytic?
0: she does anything, um, our other friend will be like, well, she's a Virgo. So, you know, yeah. just for like literally anything.
1: It It, it is, uh, I can tell you from experience, aggravating and often correct.
0: Mm. I think it's something about like, are Virgos kind of like secretive, like when they're dealing with something kind of like they don't like to show that they're undergoing any stress or problems like more so than the usual person.
1: Yes. in fact, that is exactly how I am. Like I am a person who, when I go through any emotional stuff, like I just disappear. I'm just like, I got, I'm doing this on my own. No one gets to watch Kevin go through his emotional, like, you know, when I have like, when, when I get like a bad research result or something like that, like I don't, I don't like share with everyone and be like, Hey everyone, this is my bad day. Instead. It's just like, I go off the grid, you know, move to the woods and, and just, commune with nature until i kind of figure my shit out and then come back it's it is a very secretive like thing and it's sad that that is a virgo trait because it is a kevin trait
0: okay. um so do you worry that um the you know super interesting um romantic intellectualism of astronomy is um just going to be Used for corporate and perhaps military interests now or in so, the near future, and you'll be like, "Oh, I caught this." <laughs>
1: there's there's definitely a worry about, especially militarization. Um, often, a lot of astronomers get poached by you know your 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 defense contractors because of the fact that you know you could. I, I'm essentially doing high level data analysis that, like, if you were to just replace the words "galaxy" with like. I don't know, Iraqi target, like, you know, you're just, yeah, exactly. Right. And so like, there's a lot of like, Oh, you have experience with doing this telescope sort of thing. Like we could, you know, use the telescope, but instead of pointing it away, point it at the earth as a spy satellite, we need someone who can help triangulate. I personally, I, I could not like, I couldn't live with myself to do that. Um, But it is a thing, especially because you don't do astronomy to make money and defense contractors have money and you know, that stability and you know, 401ks and all that Uh, but I think that what's good is that astronomy is like pretty pure of heart in that a lot of astronomers do get into it, not for the money, like, and because they know going into it, you're not going to do it for the money. They get into it because like, man, the idea of uncovering the secrets and unlocking the secrets of the universe is so exciting. And so like, exactly. And it will never not be right. We're never going to run out of space. It will always be something where like, like, this is the reason why of all the sciences astronomy is the one that you'll read news articles about like people just like i i go to parties all the time I, 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 I joke about this but at parties i'm all the person that like people will be like you should meet my boyfriend or you should meet my you should be my and then i'm in a corner surrounded by boyfriends who are just all telling you the <laughs> things they read about astronomy from their
0: Damn. news
1: articles and, you're and they're like, just like yup. oh
0: <laughs> yep what yeah, they want me to say right. is, wow,
1: you are so <laughs> smart. You should have been an astronomer. That's what they want me to say. Right. But I, I like, I.
0: A um, lot of people say I could have been an astronomer, but I yeah, don't really yeah. want to. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I go, well, you should have been. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that you didn't because it would have been more competition for me. Uh, but I, I, I mostly like, it, I'm glad that people are reading and caring about astronomy because, like, that is part of the reason why I do it. I do it because it's really fun when you talk to people and they like have some relationship with the stars, right? Like even me growing up in like Southern California with lights everywhere had a relationship with the 10 stars I could see in terms right. of like watching their motion and caring and wondering what's what is what's causing them to look like that, right? And And everyone hopefully you presumably have had the moment of like going to someplace really dark and being like, Oh shit. And like seeing the stars yeah. being like incredibly bright and, and, and feeling like overwhelmed by it. And like, that is like one of the most human emotions you have could ever have. Humans. have yeah, been having no that. Your parents and grandparents and great grandparents, like they had that under the same exact stars stretching all the way back to the beginning of human history. And like, that is going to keep astronomers doing astronomy is the fact that people care about that because it like it validates their own caring about that and like i feel bad for someone you know not nothing against but if you work on like a sea slug like it's going to be hard for you to go to a conference or go to a a party and have someone be like oh my gosh i read about this sea slug (laughs) the other day you know yeah you know sea slugs are really interesting don't get me wrong sea slug researchers but like i i work on like supermassive black holes like that's the thing that people just like put in movies right right like it's it's a it's an interest it's very cool
0: I have a cue so what about like um oh what's the word like do you think we're going to colonize space soon and won't that like lead to a bunch of like Mm, just pretty much what we've done to earth (laughs) Yeah, i to, to
1: be honest, I I think that the colonization of Mars or the Moon is like a ways off, if at all. And I don't mm-hmm. think we deserve it. Like I don't think we have earned the right to go to other places because of how we've dealt with the like like Earth is like perfect for us. It's fantastic for us. And Mars, the Moon, like the Moon is inhabitable, but inhabitable just like it's it's a it's a miserable nightmare. Mars has like so many difficulties. And the problem is is that the people who would go there to begin with are either, you know, astronauts or you're incredibly rich people. And like it's not a fun pleasure cruise. And I think that like it's such a ways off that I would much rather that we focus our efforts on making sure that our planet is viable and livable. And like that's that's the big most scary thing like that that humans have to deal with right now and i i so i i I don't people ask me all the time oh we're gonna go to the moon do you want to go to mars And like i i don't want us to think and spend money on that i I want us to spend money on fixing shit here because it's It's like dire situation not to be the scientist who comes on your show and tells you about how dire it is because, you know, but everyone should be aware it is like as bad as you have read. Yeah, Like you should really be thinking about that as like a way to, you know, in terms of how you invest and how you think about your future and what you do as a person and who you support politically. But anyway, I'll get off the soapbox. You know, it'd be Um, cool, though. Mars would be cool. Like, it's real red. Uh, Sure. Well, what do you make of like
0: um, commercial space travel or i feel like anytime i see like a headline in the news about like elon musk blah 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 (laughs) commercial space i'm like oh no this is like
1: going down a path yeah it's just it's gonna be like rich people spending money that they could spend like when you when you when you're like because i'm married to you know you 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 must understand i understand I'm, i'm not a rich person my wife and i we make an okay living but like when I see people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on, like, a flight and I think about, like, the youth programs that could be funded and, like, the cleanup efforts and things that could be funded just because right. you, a rich person wanted to go see the curvature of the earth. Like, I just, like, want to burn the whole, like, bring, you know, it's 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 a nightmare. Kevin, watch like, we, out! we have so much we can do, like, here on our planet. And so commercial space things is, like, just, like, it's, it's masturbatory to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, that's a real dour way to so, end this. So, uh,
0: I guess... Maybe what you're saying is that, like, um, the space travel industry will be more similar to, like, sea cruise lines and not necessarily, like, that we should be like, oh, no, people are going to, like, move to Mars and fuck up No, 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 no. Yeah.
1: Think about it like that. Like a dangerous, extreme sport.
0: So many people are going to (laughs) die. It's, like, so unwise.
1: Yep. Because the people who are doing it are not doing it in a safe way. They're doing it in a way where it's like, oh, this will make money and we're we're, we're safe, we're safe. But like things are going to blow up and people are going to die and it's going to be like really a tragedy because it's going to be like just a lot of money spent to like explode a, a rich person over the Pacific Ocean. Like that's terrifying to me. We can do so much cool stuff here from the planet. We can do so much cool stuff in terms of, like, looking at the stars and, like, exploring space from our planet and exploring our planet. But, like, we don't need to put people up on the moon right now. Like, there's no need. We can put robots there.
0: Ooh.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like Mars is inhabited entirely by robots right now. It's a planet full of robots and the robots are doing great work, taking good pictures. Like, what do you need to do when you go there? You're just going to pull your iPhone out and take pictures yourself. A robot can do it for us. And it's way less dangerous.
0: And you could Photoshop it if you want. It's
1: true. Yeah. Yeah. Put yourself in that picture of the Mars thing. And it's almost as if you were there. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm trying to think of um, a cool strategy to wind down this call into a way that uh, ties it up into a nice bow. Um, maybe I'll give you a quick space quiz. Are okay. you ready?
1: Sure. Let's see if I can answer your space quiz.
0: Okay. What's your favorite planet? Oh, Mars. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Pluto, planet or not a planet?
1: Not. When we discovered Pluto back in the 50s, we didn't realize there was a whole bunch of other objects as interesting out there and about the same size and a little larger in some cases. And so if Pluto's a planet, we have to include a whole bunch of other things out there. And I don't want to have to teach that to like 10-year-olds because that would make the mnemonic really long. Okay, right now it's my I am very totally
0: done with Pluto now. That yeah, makes exactly. me so mad. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, like, it's, it's you know, it'd be like if, if you just, like, only cared about one of the beetles. They're all important. And if that beetle was, like, Ringo, and you were like, man, Ringo should be the only beetle. And I was like, and what about... You know,
0: millions you know, of Ringos? <laughs> um, yes, exactly. <laughs> Kevin, watch out! Um, when you were a kid, did you ever have a lamp-type thing where there's holes punched into the lampshade that when you yes. put it in the middle of the room, it looks like the solar system?
1: A little star projector. Uh, I also was one of those kids with the glow-in-the-dark stars that I had put in the correct constellations on my ceiling. Ooh. That's a typical. And it was the ceiling was one of those stucco ceilings, so the stickers kept coming off. It was not <laughs> ideal for sticking. Sure. But it made it work.
0: Yeah, I had one of those little lamps. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty neat. You should get one now. They're still pretty cool. <laughs>
0: Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your favorite astronomer?
1: um that's a really good question i'm gonna say right now this woman named henrietta swan levitt you should everyone should look her up henrietta swan levitt uh was an astronomer who was hired at harvard to be a computer they were like they hired women back 100 years ago to like do work as a computer you kind of see this in uh if you saw hidden figures yeah yeah, uh they like hired these 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 women of color to, to do like all the math so that the men didn't have to do the math but henrietta swan levitt also discovered that certain stars changed their brightness in a way that she could, that could be used to figure out how far away they were. And so her work directly led to another guy named Edwin Hubble to figure out that a galaxy was really far away and that the universe was expanding. So she's really the mother of the expanding universe, but we've never heard of her. She has an incredibly interesting story. Henrietta Swan, love Look her up. She's awesome.
0: And my final question, mm-hmm. mm, what would you like aliens to look like? Um, I don't want to hear like, well, realistically, you know, no, life no, no. would probably I want to hear what you <laughs> would want an alien to look like.
1: Um, You know, I think it would be really great if when they got here, they looked like exactly like uh, the aliens that have been like terrifying people in movies for the last like 50 years, like gray with big <laughs> eyes, like X-File aliens, like exactly like it. Because be I would so love a whole funny. generation of UFO people to be like, you see, we are totally right. These are the grays. You know, like I, I, because like realistically, you're right. They're, I don't know, they'll be like sentient, like mists or something. I don't know, sure. but like, I, I would love it if they looked exactly like the typical depiction of aliens. Like if you Google alien and just see what they look like.
0: Take me to your dealer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck.
1: This was fun. Thank this you for calling and interviewing me.
0: Thank you, Kevin, the astronomer. Um, yeah. do you have any plugs? I've never interviewed an astronomer. Do you have like any stuff that you want people to look at?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I uh, if like you can just you can you can follow me on Twitter, but it's mostly dumb jokes. But I'll if I, I, I do I do talks all over the world to places about space and so if you go to to my website which is kevinhainland.com this is a dumb plug you can you can hire me and bring me out to talk about the stars and stuff
0: you're crazy for this it. it's one
1: really fun I'm, in january i'm going to go talk to an anti-recidivism group people who've been in prison and are now like you know and i'm going to talk about the stars with them which is a pretty cool way to to connect them that's uh,
0: so cool you know.
1: yeah it's pretty exciting i do i do these things all over to like really just show people the stars, but not like a boring way, but more like a way that's like, hey, this is a part of your history is just as much as it is anyone's history. and like, that's a really cool thing that connects us as humans in, a, in an era where we like to split ourselves away from each other and like say you're different than me because of this stupid thing. Like, I like to remind everyone that we're all the same group of dorks looking up at the stars as we always were. And like, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to have and share. I love it. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Thank you, Kevin.
1: Thank you. Have a nice rest of your day.
0: Bye. Wow, I really learned a lot from Kevin the astronomer. And boy, those riffs sounded pretty good, don't you think? You couldn't even tell that they were edited in afterwards. Sounded very natural, in my opinion. Well, you know, please contact me if you are any type of scientist or uh, climate scientist or um, sea slug scientist I would love to hear about that. And, um, well, okay. Goodbye. I love you. Forever
1: Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.